welcome back into Cult Film Cafe with me, one of your hosts, and I am joined as always with my partner in crime, Kenzie McLean. Hello there. And yes, it's an, another repeat guest on the podcast. It is my big sister, Lorna Walker. Hi. So, just a quick rundown of the podcast. Quick brief one. We are exploring 100 must-see cult movies poster and on every episode we ask the guest in question to choose one of the films which we take a deep dive on on the episode. Now, as previously mentioned, the guest gets to choose. So, Lorna, what film are we going to do this week? This week we're going to be looking at Hard Candy. know what they're like inside you work as a photographer you find out real quick people's faces lie does my face lie <laughs> that is so good do you, do you want some sure <laughs> mm. you look older than you are and you certainly act older than you are really want to call your sister Tell her where you'll be? Maybe later. I'm reading um, Romeo and Juliet. It's a ninth grade book, but I figured I could have it done before the school year starts. Didn't know you are interested in that kind of thing. You thought since we'd been chatting for three weeks that you knew everything about me? These were all shot here? My house is my studio. I recognize this girl. The things you do wrong, they haunt you. This is officially sick. I have never hurt anyone! It's just so easy to blame a kid. Who are you? Playtime is over. Now it's time to wake up. So this is a, a funny one. Normally the question after that is why did you pick it? But um, I'd just like to say that I chose this uh, film for Lorna on this episode. Trying to base it on sort of films I think she would like because not a massive film buff and there's not loads of films that jump out to her on the list so that that's why we kind of came up with this one um so yeah sadly we won't have that question that we normally ask everybody so we'll just jump into everybody's thoughts initial thoughts on it um kenzie what did you think I, I was really excited to watch this one. Uh, it was one of the ones that I saw and I like read the description of and I was like, oh fuck, what is this? Uh, so yeah, I was intrigued. And so I watched it. I I really enjoyed it. I quite liked it. It's, uh, it's a bit of a rough watch <laughs> at, at, at times. It's a bit of a... 
this film will definitely not be for everyone. Um, I think a lot of people would probably want to give this one a skip. It's a bit, it's not a bit the great, the greatest subject, but overall, I think it's a it's a really good movie. It's quite low budget, and I think you can tell that. But it's, I think it's done so really well. It's not like it's only got like the cast is like really small. It's pretty much just Elliot Page and Patrick Wilson, who I absolutely love, Patrick Wilson. But in this kind of, this time he's not playing like the best the character you can really root for. But um, yeah, I it's it's pretty messed up. But overall, I really liked it. At some points, if you're really like watching, it, you're some parts are really kind of hard to watch. You're like, oh, what's, I can't. I don't really want to go into like super like spoilers or anything. But yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a rough one. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those... I was really apprehensive about this film. Um, at first glance, uh, the sort of 100 films that were on the list, this one kind of jumped out to me potentially as one of the ones that I would like to swear with if I could. Obviously, I can't. We're doing all 100 on the list. That's the reason the podcast exists. So, yeah, I had to sort of tick it off sooner rather than later, I suppose. Um, there's another couple ones on the list that we'll get to further down the line, which probably are in the same sort of area as this, where they explore things which aren't going to be easy or palatable for everybody, um, like Kenzie touched upon. It, it, is, it does, a, it does it, it explore subject matters and themes which, if you just read the sort of paragraph about the film on like an IMDB you probably might swerve it and not give the film a chance it feels definitely like one of those films but I'm pleasantly surprised at just how much I enjoyed it personally um so yeah I I, I probably didn't enjoy it as much as Kenzie did but I did enjoy it much more than I thought I was going to um initially so yeah um Lorna what about yourself um, I probably thought I had high hopes that I was going to really enjoy it. Um, it. I didn't enjoy it as much. I didn't think there was enough to it. Um, I think that's kind of fair because it is quite a simple concept in a way. I mean, it's, it's quite low budget as well. I think, I mean, I liked the opening. I liked the beginning. Um, the first probably half of the film and then I think it was just quite a lot of the same. Um, just in the house she's like kind of terrorising torture whatever um, and there was just nothing else seemed to I think it just needed something else for me to enjoy it yeah I think um, we had a quick chat um, me and Lorna just before we started recording and yeah that's one of the things I did say when she, she initially said that she wasn't is sort of high on it as she might have been um, based on just reading what the film was about and the type of film it was. And I get that. I think the film is very basic in terms of... The the only thing that really drives this film for me is the two main characters and the main actors. Like They they are really the best things about the film. there's nothing stand out in terms of where it's shot and you know the house or anything like that. Like it's it's very simple. It's 
couple of locations, but the, you get to um, Patrick Wilson's character's house. Um, is it Jeff Culver? I think his character is very quickly, and it stays there for the rest of the film. So I can see why people maybe wouldn't enjoy it because there isn't th like things to sort of catch your eye and things changing all the time. Um, so I can I get where Lorna comes from with that. It could be quite boring for some people. Wait, I I can see that as well. The film's pretty cut and dry, and like there's no twist to it or anything. It's just it is what it is. You, you once you figure out what's happening. That is it. There's nothing else really to add to it. There's a lot. There's not even like little. There's not. not there's not like a twist or anything. Just, it's just. It's pretty much the kind of Jeff's the kind of bad get the kind of bad guy getting kind of tortured, and Elliot Page's um, character is the person. Yeah, I think that's where I hit up. I kind of I rewatched it, and I realised that I have actually seen this before. A lot of it was I'm thinking. I've seen this, but rewatching it, I just thought I kind of got about halfway through, and I just hit off. I had to kind of leave it and then come back and watch the end. Um, was like, there's only so much of the going back and forward. Well, it wasn't really going back and forward. It's just what she's doing now. That yeah, I could watch. I mean, I think if they added some other dynamic in the story, went somewhere or. The action went somewhere at that point. I th I can see where Lorna's coming from. It feels as though it got to a point and kind of just kind of stayed there and like kind of rode the wave to the f the sort of the end of the film. Whereas in most films, you kind of the tension it kind of does the same, but because there's like different things happening or it might be a film where there's multiple storylines happening or there's multiple locations and it's constantly moving um i just think that um yeah as as it could be a tough watch and it is very very simple in that way and maybe if you know sandra o's character um judy the the neighbor if she kind of was a bit more involved because it seems as if she lives close enough to to the house to maybe hear screams and stuff or you know she didn't think it was suspicious at all that there was some random person on a roof at a point or or anything like and if that see like if she'd got involved and it became a bit more tense that way or the police got involved and it became a bit more cat and mouse than it was it was a bit cat and mousey but very very simple yeah, I, I don't even know why Sandra O oh was in this film. She was in it for two seconds. I'm surprised they actually got like a, an actress like, that people have actually heard of for that part because there's like that little to it. But um, she must be deaf. She must be fucking deaf. They fire at least three gunshots. Yep. That's uh, another thing, the bullets or the gunshots. She's just like, ah, it'll be fine. They're just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, come on. Three, like, it was, it's more than, it's not even just one, it's like multiple uh, and she doesn't even flinch. Unless you could hear, like, <laughs> you could hear, like, Jeff, like, muffled, kind of, like, screaming. And he's like, oh, he's just being sick. And it's like, yeah, who, who's, who, who's really being sick like that? But, um, mm -hmm. I think she's it's a bit oblivious. Yeah, I think 
it's that is one of those films and for people who aren't familiar with the film obviously we're talking about hard candy as we've already said um it, it's quite a weird one i mean the film was written by um brian nelson directed by david slade it was his first feature film i think david slade's went on to direct episodes of sort of famous television shows like breaking bad and i think he'd done a black mirror sort of I don't know what, how Black Mirror works, if it's like a feature length or an hour long or whatever. I think he'd done Bandersnatch was the one that he done. Oh, um, that's like done a special a, one. So he done a Black Mirror special. Um, he's also, he, his follow-up film to this was 30 Days of Night, which I quite enjoyed. Um, I think he'd done some American Gods episodes. So I think this has kind of unlocked him sort of in the world of sort of well, making TV and film. Because I think Prior to this, he was only really doing music videos. Some of his music videos, though, like in the bands that he's worked with, are incredible. Like he's done some cool. He's worked with some cool bands. Um, one that stuck out to me being a a a a, a kind of skatery mosher guy in the early two thousands. He'd done OPM's "Heaven as a Half Pipe" video. It's actually quite a cool wee video for the song. It's a cool song though, quite like that song. But no, like I just want to say that um, that's the film was written and that it was obviously the film premiered at the two thousand and five Sundowns Film Festival, um, but wasn't actually released um, in cinemas until sort of April two thousand and six. So kind of done the festival rounds, kind of spent a bit of time there and then got i think it got a limited release in america and then obviously it got released sort of in different territories around the world um as we've mentioned you know the stars of the film you've got elliot page playing Haley Stark, patrick wilson playing jeff Covert, and sandra o playing judy the neighbor they're the three main cast there's another couple of folk but they're not really in it um at all they're the three sort of actors but it's really just basically elliot page and patrick wilson um, who are the stars of the film and in a nutshell we'll just talk about the plot briefly I don't really want to sort of spend too long on it because it can get a bit grim in a nutshell the film is about a young girl who speaks to older men online and on speaking to this particular one she suspects them of being a sexual predator and pursues and a risky meeting to get close enough to him to engage in her vigilantism and subsequently traps and tortures him. I think that's fair in a nutshell what the film kind of does. Yeah. That's pretty much, yeah. Um, the first 20 minutes is her kind of getting him into the, the trap, which is mm-hmm. a bit uncomfortable. To, well, it was quite uncomfortable to watch the first 20 minutes of this film. Actually, it was kind of uncomfortable to watch most of this film. But, like, the first 20 minutes in a different way for the rest of it because that's her kind of, like, putting on a kind of act, kind of tra- trap him and then eventually... Once he gets drugged, that's when the rest of the film kind of starts. So yeah, and then that goes down certain alleys, which I wasn't expecting. Like, well, so there's a certain part where I thought I was like, "Wow, that was pretty messed up." But um, yeah, um, she just really ends up to starts torturing them, really. Or uh, I, I thought the whole point was she's got she was trying to get an emission of guilt out of them, but mm-hmm. I don't think that is the case. I. I think that's what I said in the description that I saw. I think that's wrong, really. She just... I think she she's not that bothered about that. She, it's not really said what... What's, what's the character's called? What's the... What's the... Hayley Page's character called? Hayley Stark. Hayley, yeah. Hayley. Um, it's not really said what, what 
she really I mean I guess it is just somewhat revenge she knows somewhat of what um Jeff has done and she just seems to just want to punish him in certain ways I, I didn't really know where where she was going to go with it and, and it kind of keeps on going I wanted to quickly talk about the the way this film is filmed what did yeah. you think about that because I I kind of like it but other times dislike it uh, there's a certain point that where they use extreme shaky cam, and I hate shaky cam. I, I don't necessarily think bad. that that was. Uh, do you not just maybe think that was just handheld? Yeah, it was just hand, it was it was like yeah, it was like handheld, but it was, they done it extremely shaky. Or like um, must have mm. been on purpose. Uh, they only they don't use it much, but um, there are certain parts. I think where uh, um, Haley's looking around for the safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could, they could have some shots, and she's like the 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 camera is just like all over the place. But for the most part, I think it's all right. Once it gets like a, when it's not doing things like that, they they're they're very. Un- I think the shots are done quite well. Bar that, like they're very uncomfortable shots. A lot of close ups. Yeah. Um, work really well. There's a tr- there's these transition shots that get used way too much in the film. Uh, particularly at the part when he's tied down on his back. Where they keep on doing this like shot where the camera kind of like veers off to like the left and comes out somewhere else because hmm. it goes into red and then comes out like another part. They use that like I'm pretty sure they use that like more than five times, which I, it was it was noticeable how many times they done it. Which I I mean I thought it was interesting to use that same kind of transition shot multiple times, but <clears throat> um that is a. a I wasn't expecting as much in the, the cinematography, and honestly, it is, it's, it is pretty decent. It was better than I was expecting it to be, really. Um, acting. I think the acting's top-notch. I, I think it's very strong from both uh, from both mains. Um, well, I agree. I think that I think the acting is a standout here, really. Um, whoever found them to... Um, whoever was in the casting department uh, incredible um i mean patrick wilson had only been in a couple of films before this and probably not a big name at all i mean i i think patrick wilson's probably still not a big name in hollywood he's like even a though he's sm- been in loads of things he's like a small big name that's what i call him he's yeah. al- almost like a b-movie actor in a way but so i like, really like a bit, him a bit like top tier b-movie actor. yeah it's, he's kind of weird um I think most people will be familiar with them from maybe Watchmen. Maybe Watchmen, Insidious, A- Aquaman. Oh, and Aquaman, but yeah, mainly the horror films, I think. Yeah, he's I think he's carved these kind of path in these kind of weird... It doesn't surprise me that he's in horror movies considering he's done a film like this because they feel as though they straddle that kind of controversy line, you know. I think the horror genre is just that in general, um, yeah. in my opinion. But yeah, um, Elliot Page. I think um, I think that this film for both of them um, is just probably the film that unlocked their potential to a wide, like to to especially to the sort of critic world. Because I think like in all the reviews for this film, it's heavily the acting of both of them are, is heavily praised. And I've even seen somebody write that both of them deserved, like, awards for this film. And it is true, like, the, the acting is incredible. Their chemistry on screen, I know chemistry is maybe not the right word to use considering the subject matter, but it is what you use. They, 
they have such a great way of working with each other um, and the way that the power balance shifts at certain points um, it never really it never really gets into his favour at all but there is moments you know where he kind of gets free in the film a couple of times and but it's it's very apparent that this girl's always a step ahead of him yeah um, but yeah I, I, that's kind of uh, talking about the cinematography and the camera work I quite like it in terms of I, I don't really know what you're meant to do with such a low budget I mean uh, you can't have fully staged and sort of um, big sets you know and where you'd have multi-camera positions and stuff like that it was obviously shot very on a very low budget and that's kind of where it probably came in the transition thing that might have just been because it was low budget and in the edit you just don't know maybe it was the best thing to use um because you don't know what shots they had available I, i don't really want to be too critical of it in that terms just purely based on the budget i mean if this film had a budget of 10 million dollars i would be heavily critical of it because it is very basic but for the amount of money that was spent on it um and i would assume that i mean even though they weren't huge that the three main like sandra o had was a pretty big name even at this time she she had the biggest sort of filmography of that at this point i mean i know she was in a couple of scenes like she probably didn't get paid that much but even patrick wilson and elliot page they probably got paid quite a, a, a decent amount like even if they got paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars each that's over half the budget of the whole movie i mean it's incredible to think that and yeah i get that the shaky cam i quite like the handheld style because it adds to the sort of tense the, the tenseness of the film and it's really the way that films like this should be shot i don't think they should ever be sort of set up on sort of whatever like a tripod or a, a gimbal or anything like that it should you should always try and get the sort of the handheld uh, it just adds there's a few trans- some of the things I do like about it in terms of the way it looks is you know when she drugs him and he's waking up it's like that kind of blurriness yeah. and you're almost in you're him obviously but it's not through his eyes it's not like a POV because you can see him but it just gives you that you're kind of waking up like he's waking up because the film changes then so it's a good kind of transition to use where it's very definite that the film's going on a different turn here like that this is where the the sort of action ramps up a bit i like that um but yeah what about you lana and and it stands out in terms of technical aspects of the film that you like or the acting i mean do you think the acting was good do you do you think that they played their parts well yeah, I do. I do think that they played the parts well. Um, whether I really got kind of the character-wise, I just found it quite difficult to have any kind of real... I mean, he's supposed to be a baddie, but I'm not sure I was entirely behind mm-hmm. um, Haley. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. Um, and again, probably because there wasn't enough to make you have any sort of real kind of feelings f- for the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's, no, I... there's no backstory or anything. The film no. starts really quick because it's like a couple messages on a chat online or a text or a phone or whatever, and then it's boom. 
like they're at Nighthawks the cafe, and they're yeah. only there for five minutes, and then it's yeah. in a car, his house, for about an hour and fifteen minutes or so, hour twenty minutes. So yeah. that's kind of basic in that terms, but yeah, I, I, there, there's there is some. There's there's some redeeming qualities to this film, and I'm not saying that this is the best film ever made. Far from it, but I think out of the three of us, Lorna looks like she's the, the the one that is least into it. Kenzie's probably most into it, and I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I think it's just as it as it one of these films. I think that there's going to be people that love this style of cinema or try and find sort of small budget independent cinema to kind of venture out towards and they'll probably try and look for films like this and they'll love it or they might hate it if that's what there's on it but I think a lot of people like this film and then you've got the people that are just your average movie watcher who is just looking for something to watch and you, most of those people are probably never going to give this a chance yeah I agree I like really what um it depends. It depends what type of film. Really depends what type of films she's or uh, people were into. Because this film, I mean, this is this is, a, this is quite an interesting film. Because this is one of the films that kind of shows you that you don't actually need that much to a film, as long as you have like really good performances in a film. Sometimes that that can literally carry a film through the whole thing. Because without like, I, I picture this film without like Elliot Page or Patrick Wilson and like people who were, like okay. I bet this film would be much worse. The, f- the fact that this film becomes quite good to me is because their acting is just that good in the film. It is genuinely. Like, there's certain parts that really stand out to me with Patrick Wilson wake. He, the way he, he started waking up from being drugged, I thought that was like super realistic, and I've never seen it done. The way he was like kind of speaking and stuff like that, I've never seen a film do it quite like that. It seemed really realistic, which I thought was interesting. But uh, yeah, and. It really depends what type of films uh, people are into. I thought it was a bit weird at certain points with um, who the film wanted you to root for. I really, I don't know if they, I mean, I, really, I think it didn't really want you to root for anyone, but there's at certain points where you do, you do feel sorry for Patrick Wilson's character, which you shouldn't, because he's not a good person, and mm-hmm. it's easy, it's quite obviously stated to you, and it's not like it turns out, oh, she was wrong about some things. No, it's it's pretty much all, all, everything she's pretty much saying is true. There's one thing that's like not too sure if it's true or not, but at the end of the film, that just ends up becoming it might be, it might not be, and it seems like it does either way. She's he's still a big part of it. He's a horrible, horrible person. But there's something about that you, you don't want to really fully root for um, Haley because she does she does seem seem absolutely insane, and. I don't. You don't really know what fully she's getting out of doing this, and yeah, um, I I I, I liked it. Is that as well well good than what we've said about the film? Yep. I I've sort of say that I think uh, Jeff breaks out a lot. I, I think it happens a bit too many times. It happens like three times, and I'm like, Jesus, all right, come on, how how bad are your like restraints? But oh, yeah, part yeah. that. That's all I have to say. <laughs> right, so we'll go to the part like we've spoke about it sort of broke down good things bad things what we like what we don't like so we're now just going to like we do on the podcast give it a rating out of five popcorn buckets um i'll probably let lorna go first here um because it looks like you're probably going to be the lowest <coughs> yeah i think us. probably two Ooh. 
Is Kenzie, have you even given something a two? Maybe you have. I have. So that's I can't remember what, joint, but I joint, have. Joint most rating. Any reasons why? Just like... No, I just... I just couldn't really get into the film at all. Like, just... I know it's not supposed to be something... It's supposed to be hard-hitting and not something that's enjoyable to watch or anything like that. It's just... It just didn't... There was just something about it that just didn't sit right. Hmm. I would, but you, you would you say that the, the two lead actors are definitely probably the, the, the highlights of the film, though? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... More it, so him. He, I, he has got a really good performance in this. I love Patrick Wilson. I love him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, right, fair enough. That's, that's Lorna's thoughts, uh, 2 out of 5 there. Kenzie, I'm going to throw it over to you because you probably are going to give this the highest rating, I would assume, <laughs> as a Patrick, uh, Patrick Wilson yeah. fanboy. I'm a Patrick Wilson fan, but I I, I, I I need to watch every film that he's in. I need to watch Aquaman now that I know that he's in it. Of course he's in it. It's a James Wan film. But, uh, yeah, I I over I, I thought I would like this film, and then after hearing what John, kind of Jonathan thought, because he watched it before me, I was like, oh, wait, maybe I won't like this much. But no, I did. I, I think it's a very strong film, carried by its acting. Uh, it was just solid. Uh, Low-budget film... You could tell it was low budget, but it didn't matter. It was they knew what they were doing. They knew they could do it, and and they did it. And I think it's a hard hitting but good film that I would probably watch again. I would probably give it. I was kind of. I I would probably give it a three point five, but I could maybe even go up to a four just for the fact that how low the budget was for this film. I'm really impressed with what actually the end product became. But as of now. I am going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. Yeah, I kind of thought you were going to angle towards a 4. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't a 4. Um, it could go there, but... Um, it, yeah. Fair. Um, so, that's back on to me then. I'm the last person to do this. So, I just want to say, after watching this film, I was pleasantly surprised as the film wasn't what I was expecting after reading the blurb about the film beforehand, I mean, I read, I read a wee bit about the film, and yeah, I, I think this film is a kind of basic version of a kind of cat and mouse sort of revenge style narrative, with its own sort of sprinkles on top regarding sort of themes and controversy and stuff like that. Um, but once, this is my thing, once you get your head around the premise of the film and look past that aspect, it's it's a much much more easier film to even think about watching, because um, I think there's a lot of people that would be put off with the subject matter just know straight away, but once you get past that aspect in your brain and give it a chance, I think people might be pleasantly surprised like me. Um, but all in all, it's nowhere near as harsh as I thought it would be, and it's a much more easier watch than I anticipated. And if you're into these types of films, you know, psychological thrillers with a bit of controversy and sort of explores controversial stuff, it's definitely a worth a watch for you. And I would give this film a solid three out of five, which I think is fair for me. It's not really my type of film, but I'm pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed it. So there you have it. It's a two out of five from Lorna. It's a 
three out of five for me and a 3.5 probably going to end up a four at some point from Kenzie but when we're all said and done I can see this film probably being a four but yeah that's it for other reviews so we're now going to move on to the rules here at Cult Film Cafe where we take a deep dive into six metrics where we explore them even further to see if this film meets cult the cult status. So they are low budget stroke box office flop, rewatchability, quotability, not well received by contemporary critics stroke reviewers, explores controversial topics, subjects and themes and the cultural impacts and legacy of the film. So with that being said, we're just going to dive into the first one and we've touched about touched on it already that this was an extremely low budget film for the time yeah uh, on, from what I kept on seeing everywhere it was under 1 million but I've it says here on Wikipedia I don't know if this is actually correct that $950,000 yeah that's what I've got $950,000 yeah, yeah which is that is low that is low like this film only came out in what 2005 or 2006 when I hit the cinema yeah so like, even now, if you change that with like the inflation from then, it's not even going to be that different. No. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a low budget. They they done a great job. Like you could tell it's slow, but you probably wouldn't guess it was that low at certain times. Uh, yeah, I I I still think it's impressive. Can I also just give props to whoever made the poster for this one? I absolutely love the poster for this well, one. The bear traps, it's incredible. Yeah, 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 it's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. It's one of my favourite posters now. I think it's such a such a smart and captivates like the film in one thing. That's amazing. So props to whoever done that. Just want to give but, a yeah. quick a quick um a quick input here. So nine hundred fifty thousand dollars in two thousand and five is just shy of one point five million today. Which if you're making films for one point five million in twenty twenty two, they're extremely low budget. I mean just I think low budget to us in 2022 would be anything under 10 million, I would say. Even it would still be a low budget to me. Yeah, nowadays, yeah. Good yeah. budgets are getting bigger. Yeah. So, yeah, it's still an extremely low budget. But, yeah, um, I think you can tell um, with the budget um, yes. that it was low. But I think Lorna has a fun fact about the reasoning for keeping the budget under a million dollars. Yeah. Um, they kept it that way because of the controversial nature. If they kept it under, they wouldn't have to, the studio wouldn't have to ask to change anything. Um, so no kind of executive meddling from like the, the, the producers, higher the higher up. <laughs> Which is interesting when she told me that. That kind of makes a lot of sense because it's interesting so, to see how much rubbish cinema actually just gets put out there and I'm like but if you keep it uh, so obviously if you keep your film under a certain amount of money mm. these days it doesn't matter it just gets released it's kind of someone we keeps it somewhat independent I guess yeah I think that makes a lot of sense I think like because uh, I, I, really a million dollars to these companies is really nothing like they've probably got other projects which are way bigger budgets that they've kind of got to keep their eye in and these kind of films kind of fly under the radar but it does make a lot of sense when she told me that I was really kind of blew my mind a wee bit but kind of thinking about it I'm like that, that's really quite cool if that is the way forward then as long as you, you're under a set amount of money per film that you get no meddling at all you just get to do your film you get your own teamy people you go in and it's, once it's pitched and green lit and you've got your budget stick to your budget and it's all cool 
So I think that's it's an easy tick for that one at the podcast. Not a box office slot, but massively, massively a low budget film. So we'll move swiftly on to the rewatchability. So yeah, that I just want to get. I'll just get what I need to say out of the way, um, and then I'll let you two have have a chat about the rewatchability. At okay. 104 minutes, uh, the film is just over the coveted 90 minute mark for the prime rewatchability. So, isn't so the thing is, the film isn't a super long film, but that being said, in my opinion, I feel as though this film would be a hard rewatch just due to the subject matter for most people. I also, myself, will never watch this film again, sadly. Although I, I think it's a good piece of filmmaking, I'm probably not going to revisit it. But I'm glad that this we're doing this podcast and it, it kind of forced me to watch the film because I'm glad I have watched it and I can sort of tell people how I feel about it. Um, and I probably wouldn't have watched this film if I wasn't doing this podcast. The thing is, is I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this film to anyone unless I knew definitively that they were into these types of films. I couldn't just recommend this to a, an average film lover because I think they would maybe be like, why are you tell me to go and watch this? And it's like, it's just not a conversation I really want to have. So yeah, I would say that's kind of what I have to say. That for me, this is not a rewatchable film. How do you feel about it? <coughs> uh, sorry. Um, I yeah, I I get that. I I, I would rewatch it. I definitely think I will rewatch it because um, I, I did quite enjoy it. But yeah, it's what like there's there's like films like oh they're rewatchable. This one does not strike us. It's too, like, it's a tough watch. It's not like a, like the most tough watch you've ever seen. And honestly, I think this film could have been much, much worse. Uh, and, like, how hard it could be to watch. But no, it still is. Um, I think a lot of people probably would probably give it one watch and, like, Jonathan just be like, I think that's enough. I've seen it. I'm glad I've seen it. That's me over, like... No, I don't see many people like you know coming home one night and like flicking the TV on and it's on it's on a TV channel like ah let's get some food and watch a non-skit torture. I don't think that's like a <laughs> great thing to watch a non-skit torture. I don't I don't know if that's a a thing that all people want to see a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but it definitely should have been made. I wholeheartedly am happy that some did get made. I would rewatch it, but I think most people probably. It's not got the things that I would... When you think of rewatchable films, this is not a film you would think of. I would rewatch it, but that's just me. I have certain films that I would do, like, rewatching that are a bit weird sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, overall, I'd say no. Yeah, I think, I think we've kind of got to... I think Kenzie probably will watch this again, but... Um, yeah. I, I'd watch a non-skate torture. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Um no, it's weird. I was just when you were talking there, because what struck me is I was like, I wanted to know what rating this film was, because um, I'd, I'd never really, I never even thought about it. Because I, th- I think if you read the blurb, you expect this to be an eighteen, and it is on IMDb. This is an eighteen. All right, okay. But right. watching this film, there's there's worse films in terms of graphic violence and things that are are rated. In my opinion, uh, 
it's film ratings in the UK are really weird. I, I, I this film is definitely always going to be eighteen. What you'll find with uh, UK ratings is like you'll get films like John Wick. You'll get like really violent films. They're all fifteens. Mm-hmm. Like in the UK, we don't perceive like violence that bad. Like that bad. It depends on the kind of subject. It's the subject matter of the film. A film like this was subject about paedophile instantly. That would be straight to an eighteen in the UK. Right. Flip, uh, flip side to this, I want to argue this fact. Right. So say this film existed in this, but he wasn't a paedophile and she was just a sadistic person that liked to torture people. Would this be a 15? It could maybe get down to it. I think it probably could. Because that, yeah, this, I, I, this really yeah. only touches on the paedophilia yeah. aspect of this film, like, once. Or and sort I of think twice that's, in that... the whole movie. It doesn't, it doesn't bring it up. It's not like they're talking about it loads and loads. It's not like... The, that word doesn't really get... How many times does the word get uttered? She I think she calls him it maybe twice, three times in the whole movie. Like... It's not said much. That's what I'm saying. They kind of try and steer away. I think what they're trying to do is implement it in the audience's brain for them to sort of put the jigsaw pieces together, like I was saying. So that's why I find it really difficult that I don't... The subject matter, yes, is controversial and stuff and probably should be an 18, but the actual film itself shouldn't... Isn't should not bad. be an 18. Yeah. <laughs> like Even, like, the parts wouldn't, like... The supposed torture going on, you don't get to see yeah. anything. Nope. Yeah. In terms of it, it's like it doesn't even get done. So it's like, yeah. But even still, it's a hard part to watch. Yeah. I see you on our first watch. See that part, yo. That that mm. is, that like the noises and everything. That is a. That see, is I rough. thought it was like, quite tame, but then yeah, I was just uh, yeah. um, looking at something, <laughs> just a fun. A fun. I don't fact. know if it is a fun fact, really. <laughs> Says Patrick Wilson briefly passed out due to overexertion during filming the intense surgery scene. That's not surprising. The amount of sweat that has come and obviously, probably it wasn't very nice thinking that she was going <laughs> to castrate him. Aye, a lot of sweat, man. Like, he... see that cut away from his face, cut back, and it's just like man had the oh my god, it yeah, was, did sweat a lot. Sweat. Yeah, that's a lot of sweat. But I mean, I guess if that was happening to you, I guess it was probably. It probably would probably cause you to sweat a lot. Um, that's a very not a great position to be in. <laughs> but yeah, like it definitely this film definitely could have been a lot worse. It's in some ways tame, which is interesting. I think it's, I'm kind of glad they did that though. I, I don't I, think it's. I think I don't think this year. I think that's an R-rated movie in America. Yeah, oh, like, it's not an NC seventeen. Yeah, but American most films are just you'd never see an NC seventeen. So they're more liberal in terms of what subject matter you're allowed to talk about. I don't know, but yeah, we're, 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 we're kind of going off on a mad tangent about certification. We're we're, we're at rewatchability. I don't particularly think as super rewatchable. Kenzie thinks it is for him and potential certain people, but not overall. What were you learning? We'll come back to we'll bring bring it back to the topic at hand, the watchability factor of the film. Yeah, I can't see myself going back and watching it. Not for the same reasons that the other people wouldn't go back and watch it. Just I just don't think it's there's enough in it to, for to make me want to go back. I've seen it. That's it. Um, what has been interesting is listening to you and uh, Jonathan and Kenzie, just like listening to you talk about. Like the filmmaking and how it's good for they, 
the points that I don't look at watching a film. Mm-hmm. So I can see mm. I'm getting why it is a good film. Why it is a good a good piece of film making. Yeah. I think it's really hard for I mean if if you're if you're a film lover you might go into the, those aspects of film. But if you're just a casual film watcher, you probably won't. But I mean I, I would the thing about me is is I I was genuinely just a film casual film watcher that became a film lover that's now hoping to pursue a career in film. So it's kind of ramped up. And I think once you're behind the camera, like I've been multiple times now and I've done multiple sort of film projects and I've got a lot more hopefully lined up in the future, you get a real sense of money very quickly. I mean, I've shot everything with no budget. And... And I know, if I, like, if I had five grand to sh- reshoot my short film that I just done, so, I mean, it's realistic. It's a fifteen-minute short film. I had to cut probably five minutes out of it for college purposes, but it's a fifteen-minute short film. If I had five grand to shoot that, that film would be exponentially better than it currently is, wouldn't it? Okay. I mean, yeah. yeah. And that's a small amount of money. So I'm looking at it as a filmmaker going. What could I do with nine hundred fifty thousand dollars? I could probably I could probably push it, and I think there there is filmmakers out there that manage to produce incredibly great pieces of cinema for not a lot of money. I think like one that comes off the top of my head is Robert Rodriguez done El Maharachi for like literally no money, and it was released and you can go and buy it and like it's. It kind of paved his way in the film industry. If he didn't make that film and it wasn't as lauded as it is, and like that, he he wouldn't exist in the world of filmmaking. I mean, I think I think the problem is is like I think this. I hate to say that this on the podcast, but I think this film is a real filmmaker's film or a film critic's film because they can see all the kind of other aspects that casual filmmakers wouldn't. I think that thinking about Robert Rodriguez there, I think his low budget take on his first film probably steered Quentin Tarantino towards him who and they've they've maintained a working relationship pretty much for the last 20 years or more that's that's, that's a low budget for production 7,000 wow what did you just google that I just googled yeah. it but he's, he's, just done, it, he's done it when he was at university <laughs> like film school just what I mentioned though the post production was 200,000 yeah but but the production, that's impressive. No, but he's still, I mean, it's, it's still only $207,000. Yeah. For an action jumps, western. Yeah, the one that always jumps to me is uh, Bronson, uh, which would say uh, that was about 230000 Tom Hardy. Well. Right, yeah. so funny you should bring that up because the director of that film is, um, yeah, I. Oh, Bronson's such an underrated movie. But then I think Bronson only works because of we're talking about it. Get somebody really good at acting, give them a stage and a decent script, and you can shoot a film no, for yeah. next to nothing. But I'm a big, big fan of the director of Bronson. It's the same guy that directed Drive. Oh, is yeah, it? That's why. I mean, his his films are cool. They're just that's the only word to describe him as a filmmaker. He done Bronson, he also done um the Neon Demon 
Only God Forgives, which is a film that nobody's ever watched. But yeah, like I, I bought it in Blu-ray because I love him as a filmmaker. It's probably not the best film. But yeah, he also done Valhalla Rising with Mads Mikkelsen. That's an ultra cool looking film. It's very boring to some people, but ugh, I love him. He's a great filmmaker. And yeah, um, it doesn't surprise me that he, was, he managed to make a cool film for such a low budget. But I think a lot of the heavy lifting in Bronson is Tom <coughs> Harvey. Yeah. It's the same here. Patrick Wilson and Elliot Page do a lot of the heavy lifting. So yeah, I think we're a no for rewatchability. We went off in mad tangents, but yeah, it just adds to the podcast and us having a chat about the film in general. MDL started with the rewatchability. We're just kind of happy to say that for most people, it's going to be a no. For people that love this yeah. genre yeah. film, it's probably a yes. Yeah, I agree with that. I can't really imagine anybody in this being their. F- there's obviously, there's people out there that this is going to be like a, f- a film they really love, but. I just can't Im- imagine too many people saying, like Genzie said, oh, I'm going to go and put this on to watch. That's kind of funny because, like, if, you, if you're if listeners to the podcast, Ke- Kenzie's kind of slated, well, not slated, but a couple films. Um, <laughs> probably. Sorry to Blade Runner fans. Uh, mate, like, <laughs> look, <laughs> no, do you know what? It's not out yet. Well, it will be out the Flash Gordon episode. And just what I let you know that if there's no Blade Runner slander in the podcast, it's because it's been heavily edited by me to take out all the Blade Runner slander that the guest on the podcast and Kenzie kept saying that Flash Gordon was a better film than Blade Runner. (laughs) And you cannot, cannot, cannot subjectively, objectively ever say that at all in any room and be right. But apparently, two thirds of the, the the room was right at the time. I disagree, and we're off on a mad time. I just wanted to point out because you were talking about rewatch, but you were saying that this film's really tame. I think maybe were you expecting more? Maybe not necessarily graphic, but something like because I think there's films out there that are far far worse than this. Yeah. I mean, it's and why, why does well, and that's another thing. Those films are far, far, far worse than this, and this seems to hold like this mad, weird sort of thing where I think people talk about this film. It's always a bit of a when you bring it up. It's like, but it's not really that bad in terms of film. Like, I, there's loads of worse films out there. I think it, like you say, it's just the fact that he, the age, and he's mm-hmm. essentially grooming mm. young girls. For, and at the end you do realise that well, this other this this other girl Laura is she, she being groomed on the internet by him and he's this other guy, and they've essentially lured her in to kill her. Yeah, like I think it's with like, some films. It's like it's weird. Also, some films I, like. I just wanted to touch on that before Kendrick. So you talk about the girl that she's trying to work out what happened to mm-hmm. Donna. Donna, <clears throat> not Laura. I was like, who's Laura? Because nah, Donna. Is she, she the girl that turns up at the end with the yeah. red hair, ginger hair? Who's that? That's Joss. Like, her name's like Jocelyn or something. Janelle. 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 That's it. But she looks the same age as him. 
Yeah, it's just, the, the, he, it was like her, he, that's like, kind of, that, that was like different, I think that was just uh, his like first ever model. Oh right, so they've done no. that, so none of that's really weird. They were, they, they were actually in a relationship, oh, I think, right. or No, but I do think that there was a, a, a under, an age gap, but then you're thinking, right, she's 14 and he's 32, this might have been like, was she, I don't know, 15 and he was just starting his career at, I don't, I don't know, know 20, uh, 25 I think, the, it doesn't I think really the age ranges in this film are a bit iffy when you matter, try and but work it out and it probably doesn't really matter to try and work out people's ages it's just, uh, it's just to be honest with you as well like I know I think it's talking about the subject I know we probably should move on for this but when he was going on about his youth and what happened yes. in the bath situation with his cousin and that super weird that's mad but that then you mental. get, but it, but it's, but what was she like? A five or six or whatever? Again, four or five. He was a, still a kid. Nine. He, he yeah. was nine or something. Nine. Like, sorry, that but might... I've li- I've lived in a world where like people of different sexes go in the same bath. Does that all change these days? Like, when your kids? I think it's now like, people just don't. Right, there's mad. just not like it's the same as people don't really take like photographs but like people would just have I thought like, I kids would you know like on everybody ha- is worried about but that's mental everybody's though, worried now that there's some sexual aye, there's some, something's mm-hmm. s- sexual whereas that could have been something completely innocent and if that happened to him where his aunties just took it and been like well but what's she done to him though is not that's well, maybe hope, made him a bit uh, that's what I mean is, is there like a deep rooted thing in him that he's been a family member in his family's basically took something that was innocent potentially and probably it sounds like it and turned it sinister and it's made him believe for all those years that he is this thing because this is another thing is like for a lot of this film He's not really doing anything. It's not no. like he beats her up. It's not like he traps her. It's not like he says when they leave Nighthawks the cafes, like you're going to get your sister to pick you up. There's always an out for the person, and that's where I'm like, is he? Is the son fucked up in him? And obviously there is son fucked up in him. Aye, there's something definitely. Has it, it been sort of brought on from such a young age because things happen to him? And I think when you kind of go that and if you went backstory you would maybe get a sense of the character and stuff like that and it would maybe get you to see different avenues I think that's why I just needed something mm. more yeah from both of the from both of the main characters like that's it they needed something f- more for why she was the doing what she was doing mm-hmm. and something more to make to to just say uh, of why why he was the way he was or mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Anyway, Kenzie, you were going to say something. Sorry for putting in. Oh, no, that's all right. Uh, <coughs> what was I going to say? I was going. To, I, I I was just pretty much going to say that um about like, saying like this film being slightly tailored to like other films. I think it's because this one, some films like to show, and some films like to like, imply, and this is a one that definitely likes to imply. Yeah. And I I I quite like films like that because I don't think you need to show everything. I don't think everything needs to be shown. It should be enough to hear it and be that's horrible, and I think that's what another thing why this film could be seen as being a little more tame compared to other films. 
Well, I mean, because you, can't, you cause can't show a lot of what's been implied in this because you wouldn't get away with it. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Because then you would have crossed the line from f- fact to fi- fiction to fact, really. And this oh, yeah. is, as a film, and as fiction is highly fictitious, it's this is like there's. I mean, these are actors playing characters, um, which is another plaudit to Patrick Wilson because I guarantee there's a lot of actors would turn this down just because the potential, yeah, the, the potential people would see him as the character backlash. rather than him, yeah, the backlash. But glad he done what a performance, and he's went on to bigger and better things because of it. But anyway, let's not digress any further. Let's move on to the quotability of the film. Now, this was a hard one for me because. And this is a sort of one of these ones where we've only really had a couple of films so far in the list where people have went boom, started riffing. Like the Flash Gordon episode, um, there that was instantaneously got the quotability. The guest in the podcast, the first thing that came out of his mouth was a quote from the movie. That so Flash Gordon is one of those films that I feel like there's a lot of one-liners in there, whereas this film. I think it's more on the lines of like a like a Blade Runner in terms of there's some good ones, but the, this film is very well written. The dialogue's very good, and the actors are very good at, with one another. So I, I, that's all I have to say. There's only one one quote that I that stuck out for me. Um, What's that? So when he gets drugged and he's coming round. And just before it kind of takes the, the turn, like this is where I think it turns, is he thinks he's been tied up and it's a game. And she turns around and yeah. goes, playtime is over. Now it's time to wake up. That's and his the... face and demeanour and everything changes because he's like, fuck, this is real. And that was a great, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> for me, the standout quote of the line of dialogue in the film that could be quoted. Yeah, um, for me, this is the wrong type of film to be looking at for quotes. I absolutely like what. And if you hear someone quoting from this <laughs> film, you're like, "What is wrong with you? Like, why are you quoting? Like, really? Like, there's not a lot. Like, that's a good. No, that's line. like that. That's, that, a, that's, that's a one that's line. A very good you, line. Could, you could use this. That you could use that's that. The thing about it is because it could be used in different scenarios, and that's probably why it's such a. It's probably the best quote in the film, I would say, but. But this film is obviously did I don't think it was ever trying to reach the quotability stage because it's not that it's not trying to do anything like that. It's doing a very harsh look on something, and so yeah, it's the wrong type of film. There's something like that's a very I think that's probably the only good line I really. I mean, all dialogues good, it's good dialogue, but it's just not nothing that you'd really want to quote. So, like the film's pretty. It's, I mean, it is a pretty messed up film, and sometimes. You don't really want to like take things from it. I would probably say it's like that. Um, mm. So yeah, I I think it's the wrong film to look at for quotability. I don't think it is. I don't really have much else to say about yeah, it fair. other than that. I didn't even have an example. I forgot about that yeah. one, which is a good one. But I mean, that's yeah, the only that's one for me. Like that's all I had to say about it is just to bring that one up because it's easily the best quote in the film. And apart from that, like Ken said, none really stood out, and it's not really the type of film that will have sort of one-liners. It is very dialogue-driven, and the chemistry between the two leads is what really drives the film forward. So, yeah, um, and I, I I think that. But Lorna maybe has a couple more. No, I, I feel the same. I think that's that's a good line, and that's good 
dialogue, but uh, again, it's not something, it's not a film you would want to really, it's not that type of movie. No, short and sweet one there. So we agree that it's not, as much as that quote's good, it's probably not, it's not really a quotable film. Um, so yeah, so we'll move on to not well received by contemporary critics stroke reviewers. Um, so yeah, um, this is a weird one because looking at like somebody like Roger Ebert who gave the film 3.5 out of 4, which is a really wow. high review, um, <coughs> writing that there is an undeniable fascination in the situation as it unfolds, seen as a film, seen as acting and direction, just seen as just exactly how it unfolds on the screen. Hard Candy is impressive and effective. Yeah, like, but that's great. Um, Caroline Westbrook from Empire gave the film 4 out of 5. Empire Film Magazine, if you don't know it, that's a publication that I am a big fan of and um, I used to buy the magazines every month. Um, and she she said that it's a cracking little thriller, which makes you think even as it's keeping you on the edge of your seat. It's not always easy viewing, but Hard Candy is an intelligent, challenging film which deserves to be seen. I agree. Only once, though. It's not rewatchable. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you've got some high high praise. Um, but then then you're looking at and IMDb holds a seven out of ten based on one hundred and sixty one thousand ratings, which is decent. Seven out of ten IMDb is is not bad. But then you go over to Rotten Tomatoes, which I was kind of surprised it only has a sixty seven percent in the tomato meter. Yeah, it's kind of like above average. It's got Just there. above average, and then Metacritic's worse. Metacritic's always worse. I think there's only been one good yeah. Metacritic <laughs> review in this whole podcast for a film. Um, yeah. And it's got a 78% audience score based on 100,000 ratings and um, Rotten Tomatoes. But I just think that these, you get, I think that it's one of them. I think you get the critics that love this film and will give it like super high. It's either going to be like a three and a half out of four or three out of four or a four out of five, four and a half out of five. <laughs> Um, you've got all of these people, but then you've you've probably got a lot of people that are going to give this negative reviews, and that's probably how it's weighted down on something like Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's not for everyone. Is I it? think that's the problem. Um, I think that is the problem there. It's, I think you've got people who who love the film. Um, I mean, Robert, Roger Ebert is easily the biggest name in, in film, uh, as a film critic, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Steve Purcell for the Tampa Bay Times, he, what, he saw the movie in a crowded bar. What? Like, That's a weird place to watch he that. He saw the movie in a crowded bar, yeah, and until the shocking end, there's nothing less than rapt attention to this sordid thriller about an online predator and his not-so-innocent prey. On a party night in New Orleans, this—that's how creepy what? good this movie is. He's—that's a weird one. Yeah, you've got other people um, praising the film. Um, Steve Schneider from Orlando Weekly. Yeah, and like Carolyn Westbrook, we just spoke about Empire Magazine. Dave Edwards for Daily Mirror, but Todd McCarthy for Variety. Spectacular performances by Page. I would say both. Then you've got. 
this is where the negative critics like Jonathan Rodenbaum, who is another film critic that people will know, has, has referred to it as torture and mutilation and wrote, I'd rather have this movie obliterated from my memory. The New York Times film critic uh, Manola Dargis recognised the film's debt to the Errol Dorfman and Neil Leboot, among others, and did not care for the torture theme in the age of Abu... I don't know what that says, Abu Garib or something, that's how you'd say that. Yeah. I think the thing is, is a, I think one thing that stands out is the performances have always been praised. It's just maybe the subject matter and stuff like that is the hard part for people to get on board with. Yeah. I mean, there's like certain things. I mean, like, I, I, like that got brought up, like the torture scene in this film is pretty rough. I think the the, the cast trees, even that you figure out later that it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It really seems like yeah. it is. They don't show you anything, but it really seems like the the sound effects that they use. Oh, and it's a it's yeah, it's a bit of a rough one. But I think this one's like a fifty yes. fifty. I think like you get you've got praise and negative. So I feel as though it it's kind of straddles the line here. I, I'm not saying that it was well received. I'm not saying it wasn't. It's kind of half and half. I would say. Well, maybe it's received add. better than I thought it would be. Honestly, nothing to add from Lorna. No, not really much. We get this is one of these ones where we yeah. just talk about it quite quickly and move on. Anyway, the next one we've finally hit a film which is easy to talk about. This one exposed controversial topics, subjects, and themes. Dun dun dun. We've done uh, it eventually. This is pro- this is probably this is the most, the most controversial, controversial film we've done so far. We've looked at. Yeah, there'll be some easily. other ones. There is some other ones that mean Kenzie. Yeah, we've got another. We've got a few other ones that are going to be super controversial as well. But this is this is nice to have one where we can maybe talk about this for a wee bit as well. Yes, explores hugely. What? It's probably the tabooest of all taboo subjects. I would say. Yeah. Uh, is there anything uh, is, is there anything worse than this that you could because there's there's many films out there that talk about sexual abuse and adults and rape and all of that stuff they all exist. No, this and, is probably and for for up for the there. most part, people as much as people don't like it, they probably give that more of a chance than this. Definitely, as soon as you lower the age limit to under well sixteen years of age or eighteen or whatever wherever you are in the world. That then it, be, it gets worse and worse and worse, and the lower that goes, it gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, it's uh, very controversial. Like, the, like the film looks at paedophilia, gr- grooming, like online chats specifically, how they how dodgy they can be and stuff like that. And then if you're not even looking at, it, if you're looking at the other parts, it gets into torture as well. So it's like it's got a lot going. It's got a lot of like controversial things at once, mm. uh, and they're quite big ones that are I, I could put a lot of viewers off I could put a lot it probably it already does I think I think a lot of people read the description of this film and go nope I ain't watching that goodbye uh, so yeah um, it absolutely does like very much uh, but I think some things I think should be explored even though they're extremely controversial and I think the film does it well I think I, f- I, I think the film I does think it well. the problem is is the reason the reason this film, uh, uh, this film is good in my mind, and that in a world where films like a Serbian movie or a Serbian film exist, God. why why can't films that are done well and tackle subjects which are taboo, but 
do it properly. I mean, there's a reason why Lorna's looking at me going, what the fuck is that film? Because it could not... That's yeah. the film that could not hit mainstream cinema. At all whatsoever. It's a, it's a film that definitely shouldn't really have been... Shouldn't have been Some people say the film's actually decent. Some people say the film's actually alright, but I know how the film ends, and it's it's that con- it's that like disturbing, it's literally laughable, because it's they, they obviously were trying to be that disturbing on purpose. <laughs> it's a horrible film that probably... I don't think anyone should really check yes, it. Yes, <laughs> this is. We are not advocates of that film on the podcast. I want to reiterate it. I have never seen it. I know about it as somebody who knows about cinema. Do not watch it. It's a waste of time, like Kenzie says. In my opinion, I've never seen it. I know people who have. I think it's it it's it comes out the mouths of people that want to seem as if they're edgy or you need to watch this film. I'm like, well, no, I don't because. It just seems like, for me, there is no reason to go and watch a film like that at all. There is a reason to watch a film like this, obviously. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up. That I just wanted to give the sort of stark contrast that in a world where films like that exist, films like this should easily exist, you know? As much as it's a taboo yeah. subject, the way that they sort of manage to manoeuvre it in a way where they, it's never too harsh for the viewer um and i think that's the, the the intellectual part of filmmaking is what something like a serbian film does is it's all grotesque and visual for the most part and they don't leave anything up to the viewer and that that's makes it worse obviously whereas this lets the audience sort of piece the jigsaw i think that's the great Great films work that way, where the audience is a part of it, where they they have to keep up and they go, all right, this and this is going on. It's uh, uh, that's why this is f- films like this are way more intelligent and intellectual than films like a Serbian film. I just want to reiterate again: do not, <coughs> do not watch the film. Or we there, there's films well, that, a Serbian yeah, film. Just what I say once again: we do not advocate the film on the podcast. We're here to talk about hard candy. Not that I just wanted to to get that point across. It's just there's there's films like hard candy which are somewhat disturbing, but mainly are, it's quite controversial. Serbian films is a super disturbing film. They were just going for being disturbing. That's all they I think they were trying to do. There's there's, there's a genre of films now that not usually they're never mainstream that are just trying to go for super disturbing. And that one's seen as the most disturbing film of all time now. I, I uh, mean, yeah, I don't watch it's it. It's kind of weird. It's just like <laughs> European cinema is always trying to break boundaries. Like Gaspar Noe, like he's known as being a controversial filmmaker or a filmmaker that explores controversial topics. Like he done Irreversible. Have you heard of that film? Uh, That's meant to be yeah. pretty controversial. Yeah, but as you. European cinema, I suppose European cinema in terms of taboo and controversial subjects, they're the sort of, that's where you get all the kind of weird stuff and if you were to flip it over to sort of like horror and stuff like that, you would go to like Korea and Japan and they're they're kind of super violent and kind of edgier than maybe mainstream horror here because I think a lot of, a lot of American stroke British (coughs) horror films were are either remakes or rehashes of Japanese cinema that they try and pass off as new, but because nobody, well, only certain people watch foreign cinema, so it's quite funny. But yeah, 
Um, this uh, big massive tick for this one here. I mean, I don't really mm. know. I, uh, what I don't want to do is now I delve into the subject matter too much because it is so controversial. We're just here to sort of say that it meets this criteria. Like, um, you already know what this film's about and the taboo subjects that it talks about. And yeah, um, it does it in a way, though, where these other sort of more grotesque films get it wrong. This gets it right in terms of letting the audience feel involved in terms of the narrative and sort of working working things out and I think that's what makes this film much better than any of those sort of B movies or whatever you would call the kind of films I don't even know if they, they would even be B movies they're probably worse than that but yeah, yeah. what about you Lorna anything else to add like, just, just on the controversial nature of the film no um, I agree just with what you said there's not much else you can say it's hmm do you, do you think films like this should exist? Yes. Um, I agree. Yeah, so they are. They have to be done right, though. I, I, I agree with that. They have to be right. done so right. This is one of them that they I agree with. Right. They got it. The way that they presented it was right. I think this could have got out of hand or could have been shut down or just ended up on a shelf quickly if they just didn't do it right which is obviously down to a lot of people and it's good um but yeah like i'm just i don't know what else to add here um yeah we've really spoke is. about what it talks about already um so yeah um it's very controversial watch it at your, at your own like kind right, of at your own like make, yeah. make your own What's decision on it yeah we, we yeah. won't it's not a film that we as a podcast are going to go rush out to watch it because of the nature. Take it in your own stride and um, with caution. If you think you can yeah. handle it, give it a watch because it is a good film. But if you don't think you're up for it, then that's fine because I don't think it's it's not it's definitely not for everyone. But if you can like, you can handle it, it's worth a watch at least once. Do you think there's any other sort of other than the ones that Kenzie brought up and we've spoke about? Jink, there's any other sort of controversy around the film, or do you think it's just they're the kind of well, yeah, the, I think that's the big the main... ones, the big ones, yeah. Like, and then you've got another couple of things got kind of sprinkled in. Yeah, I've, I've got nothing else to add to that. Just well, yeah, that's a massive tick there. Um, cultural impact and legacy. I don't know about this. We've had films on recently, you know, i.e., Blade Runner, where it's got a huge cultural impact and legacy. This one, not really so sure, and it's quite a hard. It's quite a hard topic to research as well. Um, some of them are easy. You can kind of go and read about them, Google them, you know, and it brings up stuff. Um, what? I, I just don't... I, I don't know how this film could have a cultural impact, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it's, but it's, it could, could oh, have a legacy. Kind of I, the thing is, is I... Well, in fact, that's what I'm actually going to Google that. Because um, it's just like, it's like I was going to bring up Old Boy. Has anybody seen Old Boy? No, uh, I've not seen either. But I know there was, there was there's a um, Korean. Is it Korean? I think uh, it's yeah, Korean, it's Korean and then obviously Americanized version. One done by Spike Lee. Aye. Spike Lee done that. I not. I was so Americanized version. So, yeah, I think Old Boy was out a couple of years before this. I was going to see when yeah. Old Boy came out because it, it it's kind of got a taboo twist in it. 
But this seemed to be the time where, I mean, obviously with older films that deal with sort of taboo and um, controversial topics, but I think a film like this maybe sort of made it more okay to sort of open and talk about it. Was this the first film that explored those kind of sub that, that kind of subject matter and themes or that kind of I don't of know about was, that but it's not even a mainstream film is it like, I don't, like the thing is is that a, a film that explores that type of topic will never ever be mainstream ever um, so it just couldn't yeah. be but um, hmm, uh, the way this one handled it is different from I think any film yeah. before it had has ever been handled but I, I think films have talked about before this would have had had things about this sub, uh, subject and stuff like that. Um, but you don't see a lot of them, and you can kind of understand why. <coughs> but yeah. It's a... It's, <coughs> it's, a, it's a weird one. Cause I, I, the thing is, I, I didn't really know about this film until we started like going through the list. Like I know some people know about this. Like, some, some of my friends had watched it and quite liked it. Uh, I just had never heard of it. Even with the two main actors in it being like well known I, I I mean even Sandra O as well uh, I still had never heard of it yeah until it's funny so. it's, a, it's, a, it's a really hard one unfortunately I think maybe on this topic are you getting to add to this no I'm, I was just um, I, I, think, I, think, I mentioned it to f- and nobody that I've mentioned it to saying that I'm going to w- watch has had seen it or heard of it um, obviously watching it yeah. I've I believe that I have seen it bef- before. Obviously, it didn't really stick with me, but I have because some of it seemed really familiar. Mm. So there is a possibility when it came out, the f- at first I probably watched it, but yeah, nobody, nobody I've spoke to. Yeah, it's. Um, I think I think it's maybe a hard one. Maybe it's just a subtle one. But I think maybe a film like this and. Sort of the recognition that it got and sort of the plaudits that it received maybe made people more willing to explore these kind of subjects. Maybe not necessarily this one, but ones that would definitely be potentially over the line for people, but if they frame it in the right way. I think what this film does is the the framing of the subject matter and the way that it's done and the, pre- the presentation... I think if if everybody that made a controversial film or a film about controversial topics or you know taboo subjects, if they'd done it with the, like the sort of soft touch of this film, I think they might find success like this film has found. I think it's if you if you get too heavy handed, I think it's when films kind of go the opposite way. So yeah, I think this one's a it's a tough one. It's not necessarily. It's obviously it's not as old. I think this is the newest film we've done as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So far, it's the newest. So I think that's the yeah. hard part. It's only what 15, 16 years old. With well, yeah, yeah 16, going by cinema yeah, release, yeah. Really sixteen years old. So the mainstream audience only seen it sixteen years ago, and that's maybe another reasons why maybe further down the line, if you revisit this film in twenty years, that. You might have a lot more to it, so yeah. Um, well, that is us for the rules section here at the podcast, and we'll now move swiftly on 
to the last section, which is based on the conversation that we've just had. Do we think it's a cult film or not? And if we do, where we would place it in our own top 100 must-see cult films. So yeah, this will be an interesting end to the podcast. I think we've we've actually, I think we've there's been a lot to speak about with this film. It's actually been quite, it's been quite enjoyable to talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And I think people might be a bit shocked when this episode goes up and they see the title of the film and be like, "Holy fuck!" Like, are they really talking about this film? It's on the list. I didn't make the list. It's a poster. Um, but yeah. Um, Going by the money that it made, there's plenty of people that watch the film. So yeah, and there's plenty of people that still probably watch the film. So yeah, um, be interesting. So do you want to kick it off, Lorna? Sort of tell us how you feel. Mm. Do you know, I probably come in thinking, oh, I'm not sure I really enjoyed that at all. Um, like I've went through, but talking it over with yourselves. Um, I think, yeah, I can see why the film was made, why it's a good piece of filmmaking. And do I think it's a cult movie? Um, I think it's probably on the line, but I would say probably more so yes. And where I would place it... Um, You don't have Probably to put it in your top hundred if you wouldn't. You know, like if you could, know. if you could think of, uh, it's hard to think of a hundred cult I movies can't. off the top of your cult films off the top of your head. I would head, say though, if I was, I would probably about seventy. Right, I think that's fair. I think that's really fair. Yeah, like, I think I'm, it's. I'm um, actually going to be kind of close with that. What's that? I feel like I'm going to be kind of close with where I'm going to stick it in my top one hundred. Yeah, well, Kenzie, off you go then. Like, you can. Uh, how you feel about it and where you would put it I enjoyed this film even a little bit more than I thought I would uh, good film I can't. I just can't get over it I really thought the actor was so strong uh, um, yeah there's one thing when I put this film I just want to bring up just randomly is that there's there's one thing we didn't talk about this film at all and that's the kind of music or soundtrack because it has none pretty mm-hmm. much it's just an interesting thing to talk about because usually Jonathan brings that up but this one there's not there's literally pretty much nothing to bring up about music or at all because there's pretty much no music in the film or there is but it's not like it's not memorable in any way that, that, that doesn't actually matter that does not change how good the film is that's just a, some films have have that some films don't need that this is one of those that doesn't but is this film a cult film absolutely I think uh, I think this film has a cult following I know a few people who do quite like this film. I think it's for even for its quite dodgy subject, it has a following that people think it's a really good film and it's well acted. And I I can understand why it is because I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I think films like this should be made, and if they're done this well, then absolutely. Like I, I'm yeah. It's it's a good watch. Hard, it's a bit hard and I think you might have to be it's not the one you'd always want to kind of go and watch it's time and a place I've said that quite a few times with other things but you know right mindset to watch it 
and not everyone wants to watch him all the time. Just, but I think it's the one that definitely has a following. I believe it is a cult film, and I would probably put it. I think I'm round about in the 60s. I'm going to go with 63. I think it deserves to be on the top 100. I definitely think it does. I think it's a must-see if you can handle it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think if this... I think, I think the film, obviously, is, is a cult film. There's no denying that. I think even though that based on the, the sort of sex metrics or so quote unquote rules at the, the podcast I mean it ticked only really <coughs> sort of two but I think it's the nature of the film is, is, I mean it's not necessarily the easiest re-watch, to rewatch and obviously you're not going to quote lines of dialogue from it although I did have one that stood out to me I mean, in terms of low budget, massive. In terms of controversial topics, subjects, and themes, massive. Um, the rewatchability could go both ways. So then it would hit fifty percent. Not well received by contemporary critics. That was kind of fifty-fifty. Um, you had people that praised it massively. I think it's a marmite film in that aspect. The people that loved it loved it, and the people that didn't really hated it and panned it. <clears throat> in terms of film critics. Um, the audience seemed to be positive on it. You know, it's got a 7 on IMDb. It's got a 78% in Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so it's got a high audience score. So I think the people that have given the film a chance have actually appreciated the work. And yeah, like Kenzie said, I think the acting alone um, really propels this film and sort of takes it up a notch for me. Like Kenzie said earlier, if you put two unnamed actors that weren't very good in this film, this film dies. It doesn't exist, I don't think. Um, or if it does, it doesn't get anywhere near the buzz that it's got um, or, or got at the time. Um, so yeah, easily a, a cult film for me. I think the, the the way it explores the taboo subjects is just a massive, massive tick for me in the cult, the cult sort of status of films. Is I think that's a big, big one, and if you can tick that, it's heavily weight. It does heavily weight films to be in more cult. I think if they do explore controversial sort of topics. So yeah, with that being said, I would put this. I think a film that probably deserves to be in the top hundred. I'm probably not going to be super bullish like Kenzie. I would probably put it in the sort of seventy to eighty range at the minute. I think a film like this should be on the list. Um, um, but yeah, I totally agree with what Kenzie said. Um, I'm glad I watched it, and yeah, so I take it with caution, like we've said, because of the subject matter. But if you can handle the film, it is a must see. Go and watch it, and if you're into sort of film in any way, shape, or form, there'll probably be something in the film for you that you can take out. Whether it's like me, the technical aspects of the filmmaking, which I love, and I think it's incredible that a film can be made for such a low budget um or the and and or you might look at the acting or the story you might just like it all um so yeah um go out give it a try um so yeah does anybody else get anything more to add no i think we've said everything yeah. we need to say about it so yeah it's a cult film here we all agree all three of us on the podcast we all have it placed pretty similarly um, Kenzie's in the 60s me and Lorna in the 70s so yeah 
So that is us for this episode of the podcast. And as always, if you would like to get in touch with the podcast, you can find us over on Instagram at Cult Film Cafe. Please give us a wee follow over there. And if you would like to like some of the posts, give us a wee a wee message or a, a, a comment, reshare post, that would be absolutely great. And as always, if you would like to email us, you can get us at the cult film cafe the cult film podcast at gmail.com. Um but yeah, and if you'd like to contact me directly, I I only use Instagram, so it's at oh, you can find me on Instagram at O eight one three three one productions. And you can find Kenzie on Instagram at the Dolish underscore dogs on Instagram. And I'm not gonna lie, this is the very last episode that I'm ever gonna plug a dying Twitch stream because Kenzie All right. because Kenzie for <laughs> the last half a dozen episodes has been saying that he's going to start streaming a game and he's lying to the public and he's lying to his friends so yeah this is your final opportunity to plug a dying twitch stream Where, what is your twitch what's your twitch uh what's your twitch kenzie it's twitch.tv slash quote one i will be streaming today and, and, and that's not going to be right for this comes what out that's not going to come out but i will be this is going out in like three I weeks know. or something yeah, that, that won't that won't mean anything, but I actually will be. I I've put it off for this song. I'm gonna get back into it again because it's fun. I enjoy it. I'm not playing that much really recently, so I want to play a little bit more. So right, there you go. You can find Kenzie over at Twitch and both of us on Instagram. The podcast on Instagram. Yeah, and as always, it's been an absolute pleasure to break down another film um, with Kenzie. Um, so yeah, that is a goodbye from me. Uh, that's a good bye <coughs> sorry that's a good bye for me yeah um, and that is it for the episode podcast out everybody because Lorna decided to go away and get a can of cider without saying goodbye to people <laughs> <laughs>